0: on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how the Green Bay Packers fell to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, 37 to 20 in a game where Green Bay could not stop anything. The 49ers dialed up on the ground. It was 27, nothing at halftime and the Packers made a, made a game of it, I guess, in the second half, scored 20 in the second half. It was a two score game at one point at the end. Had they gotten a stop in the fourth quarter, they would have had the ball with the chance to cut it to seven. Not able to get that stop. The 49ers extend the lead out to 17, and that is the ultimate margin in this game. This game is emblematic of where Green Bay is in its development process, and this loss is different. Than a lot of the ones we're used to seeing in Green Bay. When you go back across these, these games in the playoffs over the years with Aaron Rodgers, it has always been about missed opportunities. And, and to be sure, this is a missed opportunity. You had a chance to win a game, but the Packers were not. The Packers were not the better team. We knew that going in. And everyone agreed. The 49ers were the better team. Green Bay did not play well enough to win. They did not coach well enough to win. And there was not enough talent on this team to play that way and win. But this was the start of something. This is the beginning of a rebuilding process in Green Bay. Think back to a year ago when the Packers hired Matt LaFleur. And think back to the preseason all of the predictions. This is an eight win team, a nine win team, even a 10 win team on the fringe of playoff hopes. They were a wild card team behind the Bears and the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North, or at the very least behind one of them in the NFC North. And then the team goes 13 and 3, defies all expectations, defies plenty of the advanced metrics, and in some ways defies logic and reason and finds way to win win games despite Aaron Rodgers not having a vintage season and despite inconsistencies on defense. The Packers lost to the 49ers because they were not the better team. And this is, above all else, the biggest problem with the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era. It is not that they have underachieved relative to their talent, It's that they've not consistently had the talent to achieve what they set out to achieve. If you go back and look, the Packers really only lost one time in the Aaron Rodgers era to a team you would consider inferior, and that is the New York Giants. That team went on to win a Super Bowl in 2011, the year the Packers went 15-1. and And they were a soft 15-1, and you may recall. Much like this team, many considered a soft 13-win team. Green Bay was not one of the two best teams in the conference, in my opinion. But they were in the NFC Championship game because the team that I thought was the second best was the Saints. And they lost to a team the Packers beat twice. And the Seahawks, some people thought they were the second or third best team. Green Bay beat them and, and led that game wire to wire. So there there can't be a discussion about whether or not Green Bay was deserving of being in the playoffs, for example, or whether they deserve to be in the mix. They proved that they are good enough to be in the mix in the NFC. But what this game proved, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is they are simply not good enough right now to compete with the best teams in the league. Now, all that said, we saw in these playoffs the Tennessee Titans go and beat a superior team. We saw the Titans go the next week and beat a superior team. The Patriots and the Ravens over the course of the season were better than the Titans, but the Titans won. The Titans had good game plans, out-executed, and outplayed those teams in those games. They got a little lucky in the, in the Ravens game with some fourth down stuff and, and some weird drops and, and things that were not execution-based per se. So we've seen it in the playoffs where the better team doesn't always win. The Cowboys were better than the Packers in 2016. They won anyway because Aaron Rodgers was great. Aaron Rodgers is not great enough to win these games by himself, and we know that. Now, I thought he played decently against the 49ers. Goes 31 of 39, 326, two touchdowns, did have the two interceptions and the fumble. Not sure if the fumble was on him or on Corey Lindsley. It's a bad center quarterback exchange. You can't have that in games like this. There was a reversion in this game to the Packers' identity. Pre-snap penalties, sloppiness, big plays, and the run defense. Unfortunately, the flaws that this team had in the biggest moments were exposed by a more talented team, a better coached team. The other teams in the NFC are too good for the Packers right now. At least the 49ers are. Who knows what the, what the game with the Saints would have been like? And who knows what a rematch with the Vikings would have been like? We know Green Bay can hang with the Vikings. We know Green Bay can hang with the Seahawks and beat them. We've seen that. We haven't seen them beat this version of the 49ers yet. Not with Kyle Shanahan. Not with Robert Sala. Not with that, with that healthy defense. Not with that run game on track. Not with George Kittle on the field. We don't, they are the team now Green Bay is chasing. Much like in the 1990s, when Mike Holmgren came to Green Bay, coincidentally from the 49ers organization, the 49ers and the Cowboys were the gold standard in not just the NFC, but the NFL. And the Cowboys had sort of usurped that title from the 49ers, who had been that gold standard in the 80s and into the early 90s. And it was that victory in the divisional round in San Francisco for Mike Holmgren that announced to the Packers as a threat with Brett Favre and Reggie White and all of those talented players that eventually won a Super Bowl and eventually went to two. And then after the Packers won their Super Bowl, the Packers meandering in the 2010s, in 12, in 13, not able To beat a 49ers team that was the cream of the crop in the NFC. Chasing the 49ers with Colin Kaepernick and Justin Smith, Alden Smith. Those Jim Harbaugh teams. They were bigger than the Packers. They were stronger than the Packers. They were faster than the Packers. They were better than the Packers. And here we are. At the beginning of the Matt LaFleur era. And the Packers are once again... Chasing the San Francisco 49ers. Now that doesn't mean go out and build a team designed to beat them. No, it means build a team that is the best version of what you want to be. And for Green Bay, that means adding an offensive playmaker, at least one pass catcher. That means figuring out a succession plan at right tackle with Brian Belaga set to become a free agent. And it means defensively, you need at least one more defensive lineman who can who can play real downs, and you need a linebacker who can run. It's possible Green Bay needs two. You may need to sign someone and draft someone, because B.J. Goodson ain't it, and Blake Martinez may may have played his last game as a Green Bay Packer. Same for Jimmy Graham. Same for Geronimo Allison. Same for Tremont Williams. There's going to be some some roster churn here. Lane Taylor, and they're going to be able to save some money, which means they're going to be able to spend some money. Do you sign a receiver in the offseason, a big-name receiver? Do you bring in Robbie Anderson? Do you try and convince A.J. Green to come catch passes from Aaron Rodgers instead of Joe Burrow? Are there opportunities for you in trades? Can you, can you convince the Rams to get off money and, and take Robert Woods and then go into the draft? We're going to talk about the draft a little bit later, and and certainly all offseason. They need to add talent to this team to match the 49ers, but it's not just that. They need to execute better because on the back end, the the 49ers' secondary is not exceedingly talented, but they execute the hell out of what they do. Green Bay offensively didn't do that consistently. Struggle with communications passing off blockers. The receivers not being in the right place at the right time, not turning for the ball when they need to be, not making the adjustments they need to. Rodgers missing throws because he's not in rhythm. We saw by the end of the year, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams was stealing. Whenever they wanted to get to that, they could do it the way Jordy Nelson and Rodgers were at Nelson's apex. And and Adams by himself could help prolong the career of Aaron Rodgers. We know Aaron Jones can be a field-tilting player. They just weren't getting enough consistency from everyone else in these high leverage moments. And so, yeah, you can say they should have traded for Emmanuel Sanders, maybe. By the way, Emmanuel Sanders did nothing in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. They're simply talent-wise and coaching-wise, execution-wise, culturally, everything, institutionally, they are behind the 49ers, which is in some ways to be expected because this is year one of Matt LaFleur. This is year 3 of Kyle Shanahan. And so you you have a culture, you have a system, you have everything in place for you. Green Bay is building that and we know the culture is strong. We know the defensive improvements helped this team get to 13 and 3 but ultimately were not enough because of the other holes not enough to get this team past the best team in the conference. The 49ers are the team, the standard now. And Green Bay has to match talent coaching and culture with them. This game was a perfect metaphor for that. And the offseason for starting to close that gap starts right now. Today it is started. You do exit interviews and you get to work as a coaching staff on the free agents, on the draft, which the front office is already dealing with. The scouts have already written their reports. They're already working on the board. It's senior bowl time. We're going to have the combine here before you know it. And then all of a sudden it is full-blown draft season, free agency here in March. The big takeaway here is not the butt kicking that San Francisco put on the Packers. It is what it represents, the gap between where Green Bay is and where it needs to get to. But remember this, this is a marginal difference because, yes, the difference between the Packers and the 49ers is a relatively big one right now. But there isn't anyone else in the NFC where you have to feel like, well, the Packers can't play with that team. No. Every other team is also chasing the 49ers, and Green Bay is right there in the mix. So are they a conference contender, yes, insofar as they're one of the three, four best teams in the NFC. They're not co-favorites. They're not in that upper echelon yet with, with the 49ers. But by the way, right now, that is one team. The list of teams as good as the 49ers in the NFC is one. Everyone else is chasing them. And for now, that list of teams chasing them includes the Green Bay Packers. And if you feel like your performance and your execution is not in the upper echelon, BlueChew.com can help. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence you need with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for anyone who wants a little extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. and That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Green Bay's defense improved this season. Over last season, whatever metric you want to use, they got better and they created more turnovers and they were more consistent rushing the passer and they were over the course of the season got better against the run despite some early struggles. We know this game did not reflect that. There's two things that I think we have to we have to break down here and the first is I got a lot of messages about the Mike Patton don't care that much about the run formula. And I understand, to a degree, the victory lap that's being taken from those people. However, as I've said all season, you cannot give up the run in order to stop the pass and then not stop the pass, which is something early on Green Bay was unsuccessful at managing in terms of that balance. Jimmy Garoppolo finished 6 of 8, but that's for 77 yards. And they got a couple big plays early on, including that that 30-yarder to Debo Samuel, 19-yarder to George Kittle. They were able to get pretty much whatever they wanted in this game. If they needed to throw it more, they probably could have. Okay? But you can't—like, running the ball, yes, if you're, if you're going to average nine yards a carry, running the ball is great. But the Packers in this game allowed the 49ers to average almost seven yards a rush. It's still the case that Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 9.6 yards an attempt. They just decided to run the ball because they could get chunk plays at any time. When you can get 30-yard runs, 10-yard runs, 15-yard runs at will, why would you throw it? It's a lot easier to run the ball. So you can't be so bad at stopping the run that it's like they might as well be throwing. 6.8 yards per attempt would be a a below-average quarterback. Aaron Rodgers just a shade over seven for the season, by the way. But 6.8 yards keeps you on track. And it's, again, easier to rush and execute a run than it is a pass. So if you can get six yards a carry, yeah, that's really bad on defense. Don't do that. So there's, there is a gap between a smart strategy and executing it poorly to the extreme. It is a smart strategy to say, defensively, it's okay to give up some running advantages to stop the pass. The problem for the Packers was they were playing base defense and still couldn't stop the run. They were not playing small the whole game. They played a lot of B.J. Goodson and Blake Martinez and three defensive linemen in this game. It didn't matter, number one, because they had limitations at linebacker and those need to be addressed, It's either time to let Oren Burke sink or swim, or you need a full overhaul of the linebacker position. Blake Martinez is fine for what he is, but the limitations in a game like this are really exposed. And so can you afford to pay him in the offseason? I just don't think you can. So while he's under a rookie contract, you say, okay, he's fine. He's limited, but he's fine and and can can do some things for you that you can scheme around. And if you're going to play a lot of nickel and dime, It doesn't really matter. Well, when you're looking at investing in his future and your future as a team, you just can't justify it. And you're not going to bring back B.J. Goodson. So they need at least one and probably two new linebackers if you don't believe in Oren Burks. I don't know why you wouldn't just throw him out there and let's see what he can do a little bit more often, but this is the deal. And we we have to move forward and deal with what they actually did. They don't seem super interested in trying it. Limited experience as a linebacker, a former safety. So this is still something he's learning. On the other hand, Green Bay doesn't have a ton of time to wait. Their window is right now. And and 2020 and 2021, not 2023 waiting for someone to develop. Bigger picture, though. Last eight playoff losses for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, which are, by the way, all of his playoff losses. 45-37, 45-23, 28-26, 44-37. 45-37, 45-23, 28-26, 44-37. So yeah, the Packers didn't put up a ton of points in this game, but the defense got run off the field. Just not even in it. Didn't even give Green Bay a chance to be in this game really after the, the first quarter. It was close enough through a quarter, you know, 7 nothing. But the 49ers explode for 20 points in the second quarter. It's 27-0 at halftime. I mean, even if it's 13-0, 16-0, nothing, nothing, something manageable, 27-0 is just unacceptable. So I, I think, and from, from my Twitter mentions and DMs and, and the Locked On Packers fan hotline, here, I'll read you this one, Casey from his couch. All right, Peter, this is ridiculous. Whatever defensive plan was in place is a complete fail, and... Has yet to change at halftime. No filling by the linebackers in the middle whatsoever and over pursuit on the outside. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan pulled down Mike Patton's pants on national television in front of millions of people. And it's not just the coaching. The players didn't execute. The players got manhandled. They got manhandled. And so while I think the pass rush is still very good, and I think there's a lot of promise in the secondary. You lose Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos. In this game, it doesn't really matter because the battle was lost up front. Green Bay does not have the linebackers that a team like San Francisco does. Just get one player like Dre Greenlaw in the fifth round. You know they also have Quan Alexander and Fred Werner. Those were not first-round players. You can find super athletic linebackers, and Green Bay has been loath to address it. Ty Summers in the seventh round does not count. Now they traded up for for Oren Burks. So far, that's a miss. This has to get fixed. And we're going to talk about the draft a little bit later and and throughout the offseason, but I know receiver is going to be a position where a lot of fans are saying they got to get someone. Now, maybe in free agency, you sign that Robbie Anderson, and then you you free yourself up in the draft. I, I still insist that I think they're going to go offensive line, defensive line, because you look at this game, the Packers' ability to protect Aaron Rodgers, particularly in the second half, allowed them to come back, and their inability to win up front, even with two outstanding edge rushers and one of the best interior defensive linemen in football, because the other spots are so weak, speaks to an important flaw of this team. They don't have the linebackers to make up for those guys up front, and if the guys up front, the guys around Kenny Clark right now are just not good enough. When you have Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and those guys eating up blockers, it allows Blake Martinez to play fast. If you don't have that, it exposes not only Blake Martinez, who is rightfully exposed in this game, not that you needed this game to know he was a limited player, he's always been a limited player, but it's a reminder that both of those places are spots where the Packers can improve. Before we finish up here, let's just talk for a second because if you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Packers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Packer fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Packers fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash ADVERTISING and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, I mentioned it's Mock drafts Monday, and there is a new one out right now on the Draft Network. Though, as we're recording this, it is not up quite yet. So I can't talk about it. But last week, Ben Solak um, mocked Prince Tegawanago. I have no idea if that's how I'm supposed to pronounce that. The OT from Auburn. Look, it took me until like April to pronounce Sternberger, right? So you, you cannot expect me to have this down yet. Uh, I have not really dug into draft prep yet, but have started. I've started with the quarterbacks. And don't be surprised if Green Bay looks at this quarterback class as well. They were interested in Drew Locke last year. That interest was real, even if they'll say it wasn't. And I think they are already thinking about the future. This is an interesting pick. He's an offensive tackle from Auburn. And with with Brian Bulaga, I would think they'll at least talk to him about the numbers, figure out what he's looking for, and... Try and work something out at this point. You don't really want to go with a rookie unless you think there's someone great out there or you feel comfortable with Billy Turner at right tackle, and maybe they do. I think offensive tackle, defensive tackle, linebacker, and wide receiver, not necessarily in that order, are the biggest needs for this team moving forward, and that's where they're going to look at this 30th pick. Remember, for those of you who are new and there are a lot of you since the spring, my view on best player available is the best player available is the guy who most impacts your team over the course of his rookie contract. So that includes the position that he plays and and your current depth chart where he would fit into what your team does. So it's not just true highest grade. It's highest grade relative to where they would fit in and impact your specific team. So if they're not going to re-sign Brian Bulaga, an offensive tackle is going to start right away at one of the most important positions on the Packers roster, that would make a player like this, like Prince, certainly a best player available candidate in a situation like this. All right, a lot to get to. A reminder, though, that in the offseason, we are a a four-day-a-week show, mostly Monday through Thursday. But we will figure out if there are adjustments that need to be made as we go through the offseason. But for now, Monday through Thursday, I will still do some live shows, some periscopes, We'll probably cut that down to maybe a Friday or two a month, but still a ton of great content to get to still going to be doing stuff at Packer Report, Acme Packing Company all over. So make sure you are focused and locked in on everything we're doing here. Easiest way to do that. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, we're going to take a ton of your questions all offseason. So send those in. Send your draft questions, your free agency questions. It is time for all of that. I ignored a lot of it during the season because I wanted to focus on what we're doing here. The Packers season is over. So not only are we going to do some discussions about the season and and some debriefs about it, we're going to push forward and then look at what they can do this offseason to get into that mix with the 49ers. So send me those questions, comments, etc. on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.